Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the World Footprints Radio Book Club. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. If you've ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at our world's airports, you'll enjoy today's book club reading, Tales from the Tarmac. Author Claudia Oxy is a former runway model turned airline industry aficionado, and her new book offers great insight into the crazy world of airport terminals when ground staff and passengers intersect. Claudia's book is part tell-all and part etiquette guide, but Tales from the Tarmac is also all heart and humor. Claudia, Thank you so much for joining us on today's World Footprints Radio Book Club. My pleasure. As I mentioned, your book is like a tell-all. What inspired you to uh, to really tell all and compile the stories that you did? At the end of uh, cra- a crazy day, I needed to vent with my colleagues, and we'd compare all our bizarre stories. And this is what gave me the impetus to take pen and put it on paper. It was a self-healing type of a um Mindset, I guess. But please do keep in mind I'm no longer in the airline industry. I still liaise between airlines and uh, crews where I house international airline crews worldwide in hotels. What has been the, the feedback from some of your former um, colleagues who, uh, you know, may have had the, the same type of uh, OMG moments that I had mm-hmm. reading your book? Yay. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Good that someone is writing. Most of the books, I believe, when I did my research, they were experiences of flight attendants, and the stories were all in flight, which are fascinating because when you're in, you know, encapsulated in a tube, you must handle the situation right then and there. At an airport, um, people, they seem to morph from human beings into passengers once they walk through the airport door. And most of my colleagues, uh, they were very, very glad to see something in print about airport experiences. So part one of the book are some of my personal stories. And part two, I prevailed upon other station managers uh, to regale one or two of their stories. Now, what, what does a station manager do precisely? Um, every airline uh, is has their, uh, a station is the city that it is in. So my station was JFK, and I was in charge of the entire ground operations, and that handled. Uh, and I had to handle all incoming passengers if there were problems when the aircraft landed. And then you have a a two-hour turnaround, and uh, you handle all the problems, and you have two hours to get that plane back in the air and back to its home base. Mm -hmm. And all the issues that come before, during, and after that. And I'm going to ask you to read, uh, you know, a passage um, from your book. Please, you know, set up the the section that you're going to read for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, This particular little... Uh, story is entitled a dildo dilemma <laughs> <laughs> and um, passengers carry all type of uh, little goodies on board and um, this one she this passenger very 
elite, sophisticated passenger. She put it in her suitcase. She put this huge dildo in her suitcase. And um, as we are on the tarmac uh, waiting to depart, one of the last things I had to do all the time was go into the cockpit and uh, give the uh, weight and balance sheet to the captain and have a quick briefing and then get back off because on-time departures were extremely important, especially for an international carrier. So I'm on board in the cockpit and one of the cargo handlers ready to close the cargo doors comes running up the stairs and to advise me that there was a buzzing sound coming from one of the suitcases. So the story involved how this all happened. And um, then we get to where I tried to bring the passenger downstairs, which was mandated by law. So the little excerpt I am going to read is as follows. Security procedures mandated that the woman open her bag in front of the Port Authority police. All the onboard passengers that had starboard window seats, which is the right side of the aircraft, were in full view of this tarmac tryst. She was most defiant and refused to cooperate. Finally, after advising her of the legal ramifications and the prospect of not allowing her back on the aircraft, she finally opened her suitcase. Lo and behold, there it was. Part of me blushed when I read that. Uh, mm-hmm. chapter and uh, the other, you know, I spent some time picking my job off the, the floor because I just kind of <laughs> in disbelief that <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it probably happens much more than than I as a passenger uh, am, am am aware of. You know, so that that's a lesson. That's a learning lesson and I'm just wondering, you know, how uh, how did you, what lessons did you learn or has, you know, working in the travel industry uh, changed how you travel today? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, from my job, uh, that was from 19, I believe, 1985 to 2000. And um, at that time, there was a lot more respect for both passenger and the um, staff. Uh, so the difference, the, as far as I'm concerned, there has been, been somewhat of a uh, decline in on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. Passengers are not exactly uh, that respectful to to crew and to staff, and at the same time, the level of service, the quality of service has definitely faltered. Um, You know, there are so many changes in the past year after 9-11, and, uh, you know, downsizing, mergers, uh, layoffs, um, people are cramped in aircrafts now. So the service is different. The mentality of the passenger is different. Mm -hmm. So uh, at that time, it was still elegant to travel. And there was still protocol and dignity on both sides of the fence. And that is lacking in today's travel industry. I've been talking to author Claudia Oxy about her book, Tales from the Tarmac. And I'm also joined by a special uh, co-host, 
a listener reviewer who will also uh, help us keep this colorful conversation going. I'm pleased to introduce uh, Mary Jo Shackelford, a marketing and human resource consultant from Washington, D.C. Mary Jo, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Hi, Mary Jo. Hi, Claudia. How are you? Okay. Okay. So, do you? Uh, what? What are? You, what were your thoughts when you were reading through this book, Mary Jo? Because I know you're an avid traveler. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, amazingly, some of those situations you could really relate to. But I have to say, in in reading the book, there were times that I was laughing out loud. Uh, times that I was just sitting there in disbelief that people could exhibit the kind of behaviors that you described, Claudia. Uh, a couple uh-huh. of them were just amazing to me. Um, and then, you know, as, as I finished the book, I got thinking, you know, wow, uh, there's been, you know, some moments of comedy where you were laughing. There has been drama. Uh, but it's almost like we we see when we travel the worst of us instead of the best of us. There's something about travel that seems to bring the worst of us out. Did did you experience that consistently when you were working in the airline industry? Yeah, there is even today. There is a sense of entitlement by passengers. Uh, again, once they walk through that door. Uh, because they purchased a ticket and they just do feel uh, the airline owes them. And there, there is such a major, major difference. Again, the passengers back then, they were a bit more travel savvy than they are today. Um, and now, especially with the summer vacation coming, people need to educate themselves uh, in terms of how to help not only uh, their experience, but to make it better for everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a whole aircraft. It's not just an individual, and I think people tend to forget that. You know, uh, there's one passenger. You walk in there as an individual, but there are 200 other people that come in sometimes with the same attitude. So the staff, yeah, they do have a more difficult time, but at the, mm-hmm. at also, on the other hand, the because of mergers and because of uh, all the issues going on economically, I don't think the staffs are trained well enough to handle mm-hmm. uh, the loads, the the huge right. loads of passengers. And in any public right. service, no matter if you're a, a waiter or waitress uh, or, or DMV, whatever it is, people walk in with an attitude, and you need mm-hmm. to know how to handle this. You mm-hmm. have to diffuse situations, and um, but you also need to be respectful of the passenger mm-hmm. as well. Right, right. Well, the other part that I truly uh, enjoyed, and, and Tanya, I'm sure you picked up on the uh, stories in the back from Timber and, mm. and oh, Debbie. Yes, yes. Very, very, uh, when I was reading Debbie's story, it was just, uh, you know, your heart went out to them and was also palpitating with, is this really going, I mean, you know, it, it happened because they're now here, but in, in the moment, it was just uh, some very, very brave and unbelievable stories in, in that part of the book. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we were just with them this past weekend when we were uh, down in Florida, and uh 
I was telling her about this show, so hopefully, you know, she will be on chat line. But, um, yeah, people don't understand the... Um, difficulty in in leaving Iran and to this day right. it is still as difficult it is still as mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. but um, yeah the book has sometimes I was uh, a bit sardonic and the emotions were raw and mm-hmm. harsh at times but we all of us in the public service industry we are basically professional however our emotions are still our own, and we are still entitled to feel what we did. And I simply put it on paper. Mm-hmm. And I put it on paper. Yeah. Well, he, go ahead, Mary Jo. Yeah, I was just going to say we thank you for going to those places that some of us, probably most of us, try to avoid it, you know, from an emotional standpoint. It's like I don't want to think about this. I don't want to deal with it. So, you know, I, I just want to thank you for bringing that all to the forefront. And hopefully people that read the book will kind of learn about the attitude that you were just talking about, that when you come in, it's not just you. It's 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 200 people that are coming together as a community and you know, your your behavior has to change and your attitude has to change to make that a successful experience. Oh, so uh-huh. thank you for that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Claudia, I want to ask you, you know, we were just talking about uh, Timber and, and Debbie's stories. Can you, for our audience's sake, um, you know, benefit, set up the, the stories and kind of summarize some of the stories that uh, you and Mary Jo were just talking about? Yeah, uh Timber, uh, he was in the Iranian, he was a colonel in the Iranian Air Force, in, and he, of course, born and raised in Iran. And uh, because of his flight expertise, he had been chosen by the, personally, by the Shah of Iran um, and his wife, uh, Farah, to be their personal 747 pilot. And we all know what the conditions were back then in Iran. In fact, my sister lived there at that point in time. And uh, there was either extreme wealth or extreme poverty and no in-between. Having flown for the Shah, the the privilege and, and the money that was spent knowing and that was one of his uh, main issues when he spoke to us, knowing the poverty level of some people of the country in general. It was appalling to him. He was asked to do such ridiculous things, um, which he had to. Uh, he would fly Fada, the empress. She would purchase new shoes or uh, luggage. He would have to fly her to Paris to pick them up. So it would be an 11-hour round trip with fuel, etc., landing fees, and for her to pick up pocketbooks and shoes. Hmm. And uh, these were just the extravagant extremes that uh, the you know royal family went through. And yet he also knew that he had to leave because once uh, Khomeini took over. He still had his job uh, then, uh, believe it or not, for Khomeini, and uh, he was also um, 
some of his friends were killed already because they knew too much, and he felt he was next. So the stories in the book, they are told by him. Uh, we were up in Helen, Georgia, a beautiful little village uh, reminiscent of Germany, of Munich, and we were up there, and he was telling us exactly uh, how this all went down, how he escaped, uh, how his life was at stake, how he'd be sitting in the cockpit with his first officer ready to kill him. And he knew it. And um, at the same time, he knew that he had to get his wife and children out of there. And, of course, um, clandestinely. So this is what the those stories are all about. Mm-hmm. How he got out and how his wife got out without getting caught. And they did make it. So fascinating, you know, fascinating reading. Indeed. And, you know, and I agree with, with you, Mary Jo. one of those moments in the book where, you know, I virtually held my breath. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was emotional, and uh, and I had a few of those moments. And a, another one is um, Claudia, the story about the, um, the woman. A, uh, well, the the that too, but the Italian, um, the gentleman mm-hmm. in the wheelchair, um, who was abandoned by yeah. by ground yeah. staff. Can for the, again the benefit of our audience, can you share that scenario? Yes, uh, one of the passengers. This was when I first. Uh, started working for TWA, and I really didn't know anything. I was green, and I was a newbie, and uh, I felt it is not my place to say anything. Uh, everyone else is experienced. I was not, but I saw a little, uh, sweet little senior citizen, a, um, what was his name, Geppetto, what was the, from Pinocchio, and he was sitting, he came in from a flight from, I believe it was, um, well, some, in the Midwest from Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. And he was a wheelchair-bound passenger, did not speak a word of English. They took him off the aircraft, a gate agent, and he had a connecting flight, of course, to his hometown in Italy, three hours later. They forgot about him. They left him. From the jetway, they put him, which was a few hundred feet away, a men's room door, and they put the wheelchair by the men's room, and nobody came to pick him up. No one took him to his connecting flight, and I kept passing, and I would see him, and he would wave and smile, and then eventually, when I did walk over to him, because I knew something was not right, uh, he started crying. The tears just flowed, and um, I held his hand, and, and I don't speak Italian, and but we were able to communicate that uh, what happened, where was his flight gone, and... Um, so it was a very sad situation, uh, and it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. It does happen, especially with major, major busy hubs. Uh, one person thinks the other one is doing it, and then it doesn't get done. Right. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you have to take responsibility for yourself and um, ask questions. And, again, if you see something that isn't right, report it. Mm-hmm. Tell, and tell gate agents, you know, it, it's so mm-hmm. important when you have a language barrier. And eventually I stopped what I was doing and uh, whether or not it cost me my job, I took him and I made sure he got another flight on Alitalia. I personally took him over um, with a uh, hired car 
and I personally put him on the flight and uh, set him off. And, and you did the right thing. And you're listening to the World Footprints Radio Book Club, and we're talking with author Claudia Oxy about her book, Tales from the Tarmac. And uh, I'm joined by a very good friend and special co-host and listener reviewer, Mary Jo Shackelford. Mary Jo, I had, um, you know, I talked about the, these OMG moments. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. passage that Claudia read about the women's toy that was <laughs> that was discovered. Very good. I had to keep that out of and, and I had to share. I had to share that one. And interestingly enough, I was on a plane when I read that with my husband, and I just I was burst out laughing and had to share that immediately with him. I just it, the, the picture that you get in your mind was just very good. <laughs> I, I actually can envision Doug's face. I mean, you know, yeah. shared that with them. Um, but were, were there other? Did you have any other OMG moments when you when you read this book? I mean, oh, yeah. You, you know, Tanya, gosh, there were were so many, uh, and you know, very eye opening moments. The experience with the Lockerbie flight uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, was just. You know, again, the on one hand, the sensitivity, Claudia, that that you showed in handling the family versus the insensitivity of the press to what was uh-huh. happening. Um, and I, I think Claudia mentioned the uh, flight with the young woman that was just put on the, uh-huh. the flight, I believe, from Romania and sent here thinking that she was going to Disneyland. Uh, yes. You know, and God bless yeah. you for all you did with that, and that must have just been heart wrenching for you. Um, yeah, and then yeah. you know the the little boy uh-huh. that you had in your <laughs> office for hours and hours and hours. Yes. My little um, hip attachment. <laughs> oh yeah, you know there were just so so many of those moments that you just kind of got enveloped by the story, and you did such a wonderful job of bringing each one of those to life, So, at least for me, so that the emotion that you must have been feeling and the other person was feeling came through so very clearly. I wanted to put um, readers in uh, the story. I wanted them to feel the emotions that I felt. Again, be they... Be it, Good or bad, ugly or indifferent, uh, I was harsh mm-hmm. at times, um, but I wanted the the reader to be involved in the story and visualize and be in the moment at that point in time, and, and I hope I accomplished that. Whether or not some of the readers agreed with me and some of them did not like my mode of handling certain issues, but... Um, this was my objective, you know, to expose people to behind the scenes, what they do not know or hear about, or what uh, your average passenger will never experience. And this was, the again, the premise of writing the book, mm-hmm. you know, and facts are facts, be they harsh mm-hmm. or unfair. I, I have to say, Claudia, that I, I felt as a passenger who has traveled with, um, you know, not a lot of obnoxious people, but have been subjected to obnoxious people. I felt vindicated um, when you handled the uh, the, the bridal comp- uh, couple. 
um, the way you did. <laughs> I felt mm-hmm. very vindicated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go figure. You know, why would anyone in their right mind subject subject themselves to such discomfort and and everyone else sitting around them? But yet, in the ground manual, in the airport ground manual, every uh, airport has their own operating manual, the ground operating manual. And for the life of me, I knew there was no passage in there that said, wedding gowns are not allowed. (laughs) So I had no choice but to, okay, you silly little woman. Well, not little, but you silly woman, no. (laughs) And um, have fun with this, you know. And I can tell you, ladies, I had gotten uh, feedback from a certain... Uh, obese societies that literally told me I hated my job. How would I, you know, like if that were, if you know, the shoe was on the other foot and I would never have allowed it. I mean, you dress comfortably. You don't dress like a slob, but you dress comfortably. And um, you don't like fat people. Oh, the feedback I got on that one story. It's just amazing, which just goes to show you people are people. They think differently. Um... And, uh, I mean, truth, and, and you know, it, it does, I'm sorry, truth does into fiction mm, when you're in the public service yes. industry. And I, I mean, I, I don't think that your, uh, your writing that, of that story was a slam um, no. on people, but, you know, what I took away from that was um, uh, their obnoxious behavior. They were very uh, rude. And, um, you know, and I, I guess I can't help myself as, as a lawyer. I don't like injustice. I, I, I have no tolerance for any sense of injustice, and I just felt that that couple was being very uh, unjust. Um, and, you know, I have to ask you, you have so many stories, um, and I'm sure you, you cut some stories from this book. How did you make your selection on what to include and what not to include? I think, uh, you know, there will be a Tales from the Tarmac 2 down the road. Oh, good. Yay. 16 years worth of uh, stories. They, you know, you you want to do it before dementia sets in and put it in paper. (laughs) But um, I just chose the ones that uh, evoked an, uh, an emotion from deep down, you know, emotions that I didn't think I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotions in yeah, when a child is involved, when a senior citizen involved, when a mentally challenged person is involved, um, and then Lockerbie, uh, all of these things. When I went home, and if I cried on my way home, or if I laughed on my way home. Uh, to vent or, or, you know, just shared it with friends and family. I knew, and I wanted to see their reaction. Uh, so I knew that these are the stories I needed to put in print because they are unbelievable. Right. Well, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad it's going to be uh, Tales from the Tarmac, uh, too, because I'd certainly like to have you back. And there's a number of questions uh, we didn't have a chance to, to ask you today. Um, so, there is an open invitation for you next time, oh. my dear. <laughs> uh, Tales oh, from the... it is my pleasure. Oh, thank you. Tales from the Tarmac takes you on an emotional journey. You'll laugh out loud at some of the outrageous behavior of passengers. You'll find yourself cursing at some of the inappropriate behavior of airport staff. 
and you'll shed tears as you relive tragic aviation events. Tales from the Tarmac offers a crash course on the daily workings behind the ticket counter and provides some takeaways to help passengers travel more responsibly. There's so much more to share than we've been able to explore here, and so we have a link to Tales from the Tarmac on our website at worldfootprints.com. And while there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and view our new discovery tours, including scheduled trips, to China, Italy, Hawaii, and a new Galapagos tour that's just been added. And, of course, follow us on your favorite social network. Thank you for joining us on this literary journey today, and many thanks to author Claudia Oxy for sharing Tales from the Tarmac with us, and also to my special co-host today, Mary Jo Shackelford. And, of course, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't thank the man behind the scenes, my co-host and husband, uh, Ian Fitzpatrick. If you'd like to join the World Footprints Book Club as a listener reviewer, please email us at bookclub at worldfootprints.com. George Martin once said, A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. So join us next time as we experience another life and a new world through a writer's pen on the next World Footprints Radio Book Club. Until we meet again, happy reading. This has been a presentation of World Footprints Media, all rights reserved. Visit the Galapagos Islands, meet polar bears in Canada, sip wine in northern Italy, explore the Hawaiian Islands aboard a luxury yacht, and stand face-to-face with China's terracotta soldiers. Explore the world on a journey of a lifetime with World Footprints Discovery Tours. These tours give a unique view of the world in an intimate, small group setting with the freedom to immerse yourself in local culture, learn, and make new friends along the way. Book early and save. Visit worldfootprints.com and look for Discovery Tours to begin your next adventure today.